0: Hey
1: guys, and welcome to the Graceland After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 8, entitled, "Savior Complex." Uh, I am one of your hosts for the night, Stephen Lemieux. You can find me on Twitter, at Stephen Lemieux, as well as joining me for the evening. I have an amazing co-host here. We have Stephanie Georgie. Hey, Steph.
2: Hey, hey, hey. So, all of you are probably noticing that Stephen is awkwardly somewhere else, but that's because uh, Stephen Lemieux is a boss, and he's both... Uh, engineering and hosting this episode.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, unfortunately, we're a lot on our staff tonight. Sta- no, just a lot of tonight. crazy
2: stuff happened tonight. So
1: yeah, so we're uh, we're rocking it out. Rocking There's it Stephanie's out. Uh, Twitter. There, you know, you can see yeah. it right there. It's at uh, Stephanie Georgie. Go ahead and give her a follow. So this was a great episode, guys. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was really strong. It kind of took care of a lot of the stuff that's been lingering that we were kind of like a little bit mm-hmm. over uh, after a few episodes. Some things just kind of didn't. Didn't mesh. They did. They were interesting stories, but we kind of got rid of them. This one really showcased uh, Charlie's acting skills. I really enjoyed that. I also enjoyed Mike kind of going through his... His motions. We're going to talk about Charlie's storyline. Then we're going to talk about Mike's storyline. We're going to wrap up with Briggs'
2: storyline. So Stephanie's going to kick us off for Charlie. Charlie. So unfortunately, last episode, Charlie loses her baby while she is thrown into the swamp with the assumption that she is dead. But we're lucky because uh, Amber grabs her, except for we see it for two days. We all see it as what? She's like helping her out and being a good friend. Yeah. But, I don't know, Charlie eventually sees it differently. And the first scene that we see this episode between Charlie and Amber is when they're discussing using Amber because they think Charlie is dead. Oh, yeah, they just want to replan the entire thing. But they can't use Charlie because Charlie. they think Charlie's dead. So they have Dale come back, who doesn't know that she was still pregnant, but knows the whole swamp situation.
1: Yeah, so Amber's going to help them because the whole thing is if, if Amber can get Jermaine get set up, mm-hmm. then... Uh, Charlie's made it promise that she'll hook her up with the CIDL. Jake's is not having it. Jake's is not a big fan of Amber at all, and Jake's is not a big fan of having to babysit Amber when Charlie's not around. Right. So that's the whole thing. So basically the plan is let's send Jake's and Amber to the swamp to take care of business because... To finish it all up.
2: They were almost there.
1: Yeah. So they go down there, and the guy's like, oh, man, Charlie, she just... She grabbed the stuff and left. Mm-hmm. All our money's gone. Jace's like, I'm not going to pay you back, guys. Right. So he, he covers that. And then uh, they decide, okay, so let's hook him up with J- Jermaine. And this is when Amber kind of makes up a story of, like, she slept with him.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: think anyone could sleep with a guy like that.
2: The one that we saw later in the hotel? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. For I, I think it's funny how I almost forgot the whole reason why Charlie started doing this was... To, to get, get him, re- yeah, to get revenge he for what happened. Her. Exactly. So that was really crazy, and I don't know. He was he was kind of good looking. He wasn't too bad. I
1: don't know if looks have anything to do with it. I was talking more of his personality.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely not. And he he's like a freaking scary guy.
1: So they the whole plan is they're going to get uh, they set up this entire case where they're going to get Jake's in the Jake's in the apartment building with uh, Jermaine mm-hmm. and. They have everything, all lights are going, and I'm like, this cannot be that easy. And lo and behold, it can't be that easy because as they go into the building to set it up, Jake has the keyword of, that sounds reasonable. Right. And nothing's more suspicious than saying a keyword several times. Right. That sounds reasonable. Oh, that's pretty reasonable. Oh, you know what? That sounds really reasonable. And nothing
2: happens. And he kept, like, looking, like... You're giving away, Jakes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it, was, it just sucked because Amber was in the room with them, and what happened was that they had seen a woman walking in the hallway where there had there should have been no one else on the floor, and I was confused as to why they opened the door right away when she knocked. I was like, "Why would you do that? You don't know who it is." But she looked into the camera, and
1: I had a feeling of what it is as soon as she was on the floor because I'm like, "This can't go that easy." So, what's the only thing that can shut down this operation? Somebody higher up. So, yep. turns out she works for the Do. Uh, yeah. Department of Security, mm-hmm. and they have him as an informant already, and they don't want them busting the informant, so they shut down the op while Jake's is still inside. Yep, but DOS. nobody tells Jake's. Nobody has a way to tell Jake, so he's just kind of.
2: And they hear. What's funny is that they, they hear, hear Charlie just yes, 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 right in the room next door when that happened. I was like, well, wait a second, what's going to happen after this? But
1: so oh, it's was fine. Well, just to just to catch everyone up, Charlie. Uh, just to get Charlie gets taken after she finds out she's pregnant last season mm-hmm. and gets tortured by this guy, Jermaine, last season and then gets angry at Briggs because of all the things that went down with Briggs because of the tape and all that. Yeah. Then in this season, she wants revenge against Jermaine because Jermaine tortured her in last season. So she's going after Jermaine using Amber and then Amber hooks her up with these drug guys or rather the sheriff picks them up and that's what introduces them to Tom Shanley and Cash Wingate. Great name. Shout out to Tom Shanley from last episode. He was on our after show.
2: Shout out. And
1: then she loses the baby, going after the guy that she was going after because he tortured her while she had the baby, so she loses the baby, and now she finds out that the guy who caused her to lose the baby, I guess, inadvertently...
2: Right. Is an informant, and they can do nothing They can't do anything. So,
1: really, revenge is a dish best served, not at all, because Mm -hmm. if she had just let it go she would still have her son right now. Yeah,
2: which is so sad. Um, I thought it was nice to see Charlie act the way that she did once everything was over because it just goes to show you, yep, this is the kid of a mobster. Um, She grew up in the streets. She goes hard, whatever you want to call it, just specifically when she's like, well, what do we do now? We... There's no we, honey. Like, after, boom, switches it up. Your grass is going back to jail, and that's that.
1: Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm sure Charlie knows that if she didn't go after him, she would have had, still had her son. Right. And that probably hits her harder than the fact that they can't get the guy. Exactly. So now... Amber's, I mean, you took it as literal, but that's just Charlie lashing out. She doesn't really mean all that. No,
2: no, no. I know that. No, but I'm just saying her, the angry part, like that, it was just, it was real to who her character is. I don't, but I mean, obviously I was like, there's no way that she doesn't have, because we know Charlie, at the end of the day, Charlie is sensitive and she has such a big heart, especially for anyone who's going to attempt to save her like that. But I'm just saying it was just. It was that street in her. I feel like that came out. I, I mean, it's it. realistic. She's just a badass. There
1: are criminals walking around right now that mm-hmm. are working for the FBI, but they're still doing criminal things while they're working for the FBI. Yeah. And they're safe because of it. Yeah. And you know what? I'm sure there's tons of cases where wires get crossed and this happens. Probably right. not as often as we think, right. but probably happens maybe once or I twice was an a informant
2: year. when I was 18.
1: Really? No. You probably shouldn't say that on air <laughs> if
2: you were. i <laughs> kidding. I wish. That'd be sick. <laughs> Hurry! <laughs> guys, that was my whole...
1: <laughs> this is what I have to deal with, guys. It's insane. I, I'm not even at the table, so Steffi G just I was trying
2: this- to roll over, and I was like, wait, my headphones are plugged in, so is the mic. I can't go anywhere from right there here. There
1: you go. Um, so, yeah, with Charlie, that's... It's pretty sad.
2: It's sad. And then to finish her story specifically, um, I really, really loved it. We see Amber go back into jail, which for a second I thought that she was going to continue to be on the show as an informant. But if we remember, uh, Charlie was explaining to Amber who her dad was and where he came from. And that when she put him into jail, what she would do is send him an origami frog every time. That means safe travels, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. right? And... Amber was in her stall, and she had, like, an envelope, and she opened it, and it was a little pink frog origami. And so I thought that was really great. Charlie had her day to, like, kind of relax, and because she had explained that to Amber, she remembered, and Amber got really, like, emotional about it because I think she saw, you know, realness to it. It was it was value, so I thought that was nice. And then it ends with that and her with Dale, which I was so excited. Jakes, why is his character so damn good? Because
1: (sighs) Brando J is the man.
2: But in addition to that, I'm just saying, generally, I mean, Brandon, boy, I, you are the bomb. I love you and you're an amazing actor. You really are. But I'm just saying the writers, I am I, obsessed with the way they wrote this character and who he is and who he is to his friends.
1: I'm worried that we're not getting enough of his character, though.
2: Mm, I'm, remember that I, I think we're good because his character, I feel like, is the safest. Everyone else has the potential to die except for him.
1: I actually disagree. I think it's the opposite. No,
2: because if he dies, I'll freaking call Jeff Easton up and be no, like, but, yo, man.
1: But logically, if you really look at it, out of all the characters in Graceland, if they killed Jake's, they would lose zero storylines. No, but... They have his wife and they have his son, but, I mean, he's not involved with any of the other storylines of this season. So, I'm um, strictly for this season, if next episode they killed Jake's,
2: it would just be sad.
1: It would only open up storylines, which is sad Like, because I, I, I think that's not – Don't do it. No one's
2: worried about the storylines.
1: It's not fair to the character because I feel like we should be getting – like Matt, Mike's gotten a lot of time this season. Briggs mm-hmm. has been getting a lot of time this season. Uh, Paige has been getting a lot of time this season. Even I
2: think, uh, I think he, he's gotten enough because he's still involved with everyone's case.
1: Yeah, he's still involved with everyone's case. I'm not saying he's not getting camera time. I'm just saying he himself does not have a storyline. Right. So he is the only character in Graceland right now that does not have a storyline.
2: Whatever, he's still the coolest one.
1: I guess Mike. I guess uh, Johnny almost doesn't have one anymore because we wrapped up everything yes. with Eric and Jamie. He's just
2: honing it up right now.
1: He, yeah, he's just honing it up right now. I can't blame him. You go, Johnny. Get it, Johnny. Get, get Hugo's tacos.
2: If I was there, I'd be like, okay, I'll hang out with you.
1: Steffi G would be on that with a quickness, <laughs> with the quickness, with, the quickness.
2: With, the quickness. With, the with that cute little booty he got. Oh my god! Am I right? I'm right. I don't
1: know if you're right. All right. Uh, shout out to everyone in the chat. Uh, shout Pro out. Prodigy, Nicholas Melendez, Destiny Seppard, Nosa, John Bull, Donuts. All right. Donuts. Lovely Miss CK and Mackenzie Traver. Thanks for tuning in the chat, guys. If you can, go ahead and hit that thumbs up right now. And you know what? The best way to support us here at After Buzz TV is to support our sponsors. And our sponsor has one question for you. Does driving matter to you? Well, driving with the windows down, the wind blowing through your hair, and the smell of pine trees and fresh asphalt, you look forward to these moments when it's just you and the road, no distractions, handling every curve and feeling every nuance in the road. So ask yourself, does driving matter to you? Because if it does, we build cars just for you because to us, driving matters. That's what Mazda says, because Mazda is pretty awesome, and you guys should go ahead and check them out, support them. Supporting our sponsors supports us, and we're going to go ahead and do some iTunes shout outs in just a second here.
2: Also, let me know what you thought about my sound effects, if you didn't hear the Mazda driving in the background.
1: W- was that a Mazda driving in the background? Yes. Uh, I don't know if you guys thought that this was a Mazda driving in the background.
2: Right um, now, I'm watching everybody. Just some like fun facts. <laughs> I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching Stephen do all of this, and I really feel like we are like in the room next door. And that Jake's <laughs> and, and like Briggs and like Toros and Paige and everyone is just like on some investigation. But where are we here? Okay, yes, he's coming right now. Look at me. Don't I look like an agent? A little bit. A little bit. You look like one. You're. You look like the guy in the in the truck. We're like in the van. That's what we're that we're doing. We're in the van parked across the street from all the action.
1: Hell yeah, we are. And shout out to our people on iTunes who have given us reviews in the past week. We got uh, Clara Chachin wrote us another review, five stars, and she loves Thank the you. show. Thank you so much, Clara. Thank you, Clara. All right, so Steffi G, kick us off
2: with the next storyline really quick. Mike, Mike, Mike. Man, talk about drug abuse resistance education. Where did that go for you, buddy? Because Homeboy is all up in that crack. And, well, not really crack, but, you know, with his little pills and stuff. We see his storyline start off. In this episode, um, when just waking up, he is in Goosey's apartment in Madison's bed. And then Logan calls him saying that he wants to meet up with him privately, that he has to speak to him. But when he gets up, I really like this part because he walks into the kitchen or excuse me, he walks into the living room and Goosey's sitting down and he goes, are you looking for this? Which are some pills. And he's like, oh, yeah, man. He's like, no, you're not going to do that. Like, I did, you're supposed to be this cool guy that I saw that did stunts and stuff. And now you're just a junkie. And then he continues to say that you want to know why people in Bali don't do drugs because they lose their balance. They can't do anything like that. And you know, I always want to say I like how, how there are some different countries in the world that you might think are more prone to doing all of these things, but it's as if they have, they have this, this balance actually, this balance and this tranquility of, of happiness and peace because not everything is kind of bugging them. We're, us in the United States, we have everything available to us and materialistic things. And so it's, it's less of a distraction, but even more reason to do it. I'm getting too deep into this. It doesn't really matter. Regardless, my point is, is that I like what Gusty had to say there. And he was like, are you sure you're going to be doing good? Because with you being a little junkie right now, it's going to mess things up and I don't need to mess anything up. Mike tries to convince them otherwise, and then they continue to do their little project, which is meeting up with these two very obvious like crack like little meth heads, right you said Stephen, yeah, and then um they're op- they're both it's like trunk to trunk, and what they're doing is they're unloading these like laptops, but while while Mike is loading it into the trunk, one of them falls and he's like, oh man. But because the, one of the meth heads reacts is like, no, I think it's fine. He's like, "Hmm, why would it be fine? Cause if it was a laptop, he'd be more, you know, scarce about it. So he opens it and he sees that it's just a book. They were trying to get scammed or they were trying to scam them. And then the female crackhead just pulls out a gun out of nowhere. It's like, oh, okay, what's in the box? Cause there's like a wooden box that was inside the trunk, which was the prote the, you know, the, CW Soviet Union tank, whatever the gas thing. And she's like, We want it, we want it, we want it, blah, blah. And then I'm literally watching, thinking, When is Mike gonna use like some of his FBI ness to get the gun out of her hand? And what he does is that when he turns around, he grabs the book, he hits the gun, the gun falls, but like his dumb ass for using, for smoking some pills, he drops the gun. His reflexes are off, he's not quick enough, and he. He drops it in, so then you see it black out. And then all of a sudden—I'm by myself right now, everybody. <laughs> okay. But all of a sudden, he—yeah, he, um, he yeah, it just blacks out. And then the next thing that we see is he's tied up in this meth head's house, which is ridiculous. And he's kind of, like, all blurry and everything. And Goose, they're beating Goosey up. And you're just watching this thinking, bro, what are you thinking? Why did you do that? Pay attention. Literally, this is why you don't do drugs. And they're kind of stuck there. So he has... Oh, and remember prior episodes, we heard that what this tank was, was that it was like a gas thing. That The first thing that starts happening is that you start kind of losing control of all of your senses and your bodily fluids, and ultimately dying a miserable death. And these dumbasses, excuse me, are over here just hitting the tank, trying to open it, trying to figure it out, like some ignorant dummies. And... Mike is trying to tell them to stop without letting them know exactly what it is because he doesn't want to put himself in the position where they ask and, you know, he has to tell him because Gusty's kind of looking at him like, why does he know all of these things right now when he shouldn't because Gusti barely let him in on that whole thing. So what he decided what he conti- what he goes on saying is that it's Odin Rossi's, which was kind of great to even hear this name again because it brings back it brings us back to season one, and then both the meth heads remember it, and then we also are rem- reminded of um, the guy. Which one was it that got his hand put in acid? It was one of the workers. No, no, right? no, no, no,
1: no. That was uh, I think was that referencing him cutting somebody's hand off.
2: No, it was remember when they dunked their hand in the acid? No,
1: they didn't dunk any hand in acid. They put the boiling lead in the eye. Oh. That was Bellow putting the boiling lead in the eye. Oh,
2: but he did just cut a hand off. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, regardless, they referenced that. And then Mike's over there. He's like, no, they did that for him only being 15 minutes late. So he tries to emphasize on how dangerous this guy is. Then this girl, who thinks she's so smart, grabbing the gun and trying to make demands, decides to call Odin, a.k.a. Briggs, and says, we want
1: $100,000 and two elbows. That's You're two not pounds. the one
2: making the demands here, says crackhead number one.
1: Idiot. Yeah, they're dumb. Um, they're super dumb. I mean, they're bang. They're trying to open up a can of sarin gas.
2: Yes. Everyone in that Sorry, place would have been killed. That's, what is. That's I know. And you see Mike freaking out, but not being able to say, let me tell you exactly what it is. And I can't tell you why I know. But that happens. And then... Because he calls Briggs, Goosey's sitting there. He's like, "Why do you like know have this connect when you're just kind of a hot mess right now?" And Odin Rossi was supposed to be everything. We
1: hear about we hear about Vin just talking about how like he's got family back in Bali and they mm-hmm. work at a hotel sweeping their rooms. And his plan That's is his to American he room. wants to go back there and be a, a visitor there and have his family stay with him there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of kind of a cool thing. Um, and then he's just worried. He's wondering about Mike, and he's in a bad situation because he trusted junkies. Mm-hmm. So Briggs comes in, just walks through, and is like, no, you're not going to do that. You picked the wrong hostage. Briggs doesn't care about Vin mm-hmm. at all. Briggs picks up the can, leaves, and then Johnny and Paige get in there, and that's when bullets fly, and Mike gets the gun and has to take a shot at the at the female junkie.
2: Yep, misses and gets goosty on, not even on the side of him that was closer to the girl, on the furthest side. Yeah, like... His left side.
1: Right in the abdomen. Yeah. And, guys, Mike is the sharpshooter. Remember, the first thing we get introduced to with Mike in the first uh, first season is Mike Warren, sharpshooter. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. He's really good at shooting. And then his cover to get into Bellow was, I'm Mike Warren. I'm a sharpshooter. I'm really good at shooting. And then he taught all the Bellows guys how to shoot. Yes. So, I mean... For Mike to be that off... I know know. know he was going through withdrawal symptoms, but still, like, that's...
2: But had he... Well, that's the point, though. Don't put yourself in a position, because what if you get busy? You're not always going to have time to just, like, toke up. But, um, that's that's the part that gets scary because he he shoots him and he's like oh man what did i do and then fortunately gusty whom which i was thinking too when gusty was giving him this little lecture it goes to show you can't always judge a book by its cover nor even judge a criminal if that's what you want to call him people do have goodness in him he was that was just his way of making money and it isn't like criminal activity like that doing illegal things probably isn't as serious to him as it would be for us here because of what our consequences are and he's New and I don't know, is not thinking that way. Plus, he's not really like hurting anyone. So, and that you just see how good of a I feel like I love Gusty, he's such a good person, regardless of what he does. And after he sees that, he takes one of the pen, the, the needles that's I think it's the morphine needles, right? Uh,
1: yes, he For takes Gusty one of the morphine needles. because
2: Gusty gets patched up at his house and then he goes outside. This is the part that freaks me out because we've seen. We see Mike take pills and continue to take pills. And then we see Mike begin to crush them and smoke them with Madison. And then we get to the point where the needle comes into play. And he's over here hitting his freaking vein. We're like, no, Mike, we don't want to see you do this. Please don't shoot up right now. Almost does. The needle's so close to his vein. And then sure enough, in his line of vision, we see a nice little red bird. And it says, change your life today. Actually, I don't know what it says. It said something like that. Yes, change your life. And then it showed a number, and the number was to a rehab center. And I I think that, thank goodness those red birds were there, because had they not been there, then uh, it wouldn't have made sense for Mike to have done this. So then he's like, yeah, you know what? I need to change my life. He goes back to the house, speaks to Briggs, and he goes, I need your help, man. At this point, they handcuff in fact mike handcuffs himself to his bed uh briggs gets his like left leg you know down on the other side and then he's like all right this is gonna be really tough come 72 hours you're gonna feel something you've never felt before you're gonna say things you never thought you'd say so on and so forth and while mike is going through all of this and his withdrawals begin he's throwing up and he's sweating profusely um Jakes is in there trying to read him a story. Johnny's telling him a story. Paige is sitting there. Charlie's trying to be there. Briggs is in there holding his hand. He has an incredible support system, which is ultimately what you need when when you're going through something like this. But then it gets so bad that Johnny comes into the room and... Mike's, although has been looking bad for these past two days, is like unconscious pretty much. And then he freaks out and he's like, oh, you're just going to lay in your own throw up. Tries to get Mike's attention, doesn't get it. Then puts his hand on his, you know, to check his pulse but or to feel him and he's burning up. He calls for help. They, un- get, they get him out of the bed and they rush him into the bathtub. They put ice into the bathtub because he has a super hot fever. And then they start dunking him and, you know, counting to make sure that he doesn't drown in the bathtub. While he's going through all this, all of a sudden we see this limbo again where Mike is in this meadow. The meadow reminded me of the movie The Lovely Bones, if you've all seen it before. It was the same kind of a little thing. And while he's there, he just starts running around. I do like when he runs because I feel like he runs very freely, almost childlike, you know, because it was like a sense of happiness, a little hop to his skip. And when he continues to run, he sees a red cardinal, a red bird. And the bird just kind of sits on the tree. He focuses on it and then looks to his left and sees the the birds kind of fly away, almost in the exact formation that it was on that paper that said change your life. And then he looks to his right and the trees form into this tunnel. And he looks down the tunnel and there's a grandfather clock that's stuck on 2 o'clock and it's just ticking there, not being able to pass. I don't know what the significance is. Did you get anything from that, Stephen?
1: Uh, from the clock, from the ground, and it was the, just stuck at two o'clock. It's at. Oh, uh,
2: I thought it was stuck at two.
1: No, it was at ten ten.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Remember, yeah, that's why he was always talking about ten ten ten, like the tens. Oh. The clock was stuck at tw- ten ten, and he saw the birds, and he just immediately knew how many there were. It so was stuck
2: like at ten ten, and I then he feel wakes like up. he
1: just really wants to watch Alice in Wonderland or something. Cause that's that's the, I mean, exactly that's what, what I it, thought. That's what it felt like.
2: I don't know. It felt super Alice in Wonderland. But yeah, so then he gets that and you see him kind of just... And then he comes back to his consciousness and they pull him out of the tub and then Briggs is like, man, that's twice now. But he's pretty much died and came back. Uh, But fortunately, this helps him out and we see Mike's pretty face when he shaves that beard off. Then he goes on that run that probably wouldn't have really happened in real life. And (laughs) it was nice.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It was... I think they they very they sped it along a lot to get Mike just better. Yeah, I think they were tired of the story. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of went into it and were like, okay, where can we take this? And they they did what they wanted to do,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I felt like they kind of decided, okay, this is this isn't. There's a more interesting story to tell with Mike actually being Mike than mm-hmm. with. Mike being Junkie Mike. Absolutely. I'm wondering at this point if we're going to see Vin again because Mike kind of really felt bad about Vin. And Vin was like, I'm going to go home. I don't want to deal with this anymore. No. I don't want to do this. He's like, you grab the cell phone. You grab the canister. Like, wh- what are you even about, man? Mm-hmm. You shoot me. Yeah. Shut me in the ass. Was like,
2: that's why you don't work with junkies. Show is. It's bad. I don't work with junkies. I don't work with junkies either. Um, yeah. And then that's that's pretty much Mike's storyline. He says... Thank you to Briggs and looks out. Oh, psych. Then he goes to see Logan because he was supposed to see him. And while he's sitting there, which I can attach to the beginning of the story because we see Briggs looking at the exact same photo that Mike pays attention to. So
1: Briggs saw the photo that Mike was paying attention to. And Mike was talking to Briggs. About, well, now
2: they know which car he drives.
1: No, Mike was talking to Briggs about. Briggs keeping an eye on a car Mm -hmm. and Briggs says the license plate number. So when Mike goes into his office at the end, Mike sees the license plate number is like, I thought Briggs was working Sarkissian's. Why is he getting the license plate number and keeping tabs on this license plate number for
2: Um, Logan? Right.
1: So that's why Mike's really suspicious, because without having heard from Briggs's mouth, that license plate number, he wouldn't have known, Okay, what's going on? So Mike was actually expecting Briggs to do something and so he wasn't that surprised when he saw Briggs driving. He was surprised they took him.
2: Right. Okay. I was wondering why he just let it kind of happen. I mean, I figured it's because you can't just jump out and help them when it's those bunch of guys in the van. Yeah, so... Side note. Kind of
1: crazy, though. So Briggs Logan, is kind of taking out. Side down. note,
2: Logan drives a Chevy Cruze. So do I. Okay, continue. A what? Chevy Cruze? Mm-hmm. It's a great car. Great. They,
1: uh... If you guys noticed the really on-the-nose advertising for the new Toyota Camry. It's bold. Go ahead and give us a thumbs-up on the video. Even the scene when they're in the car with Johnny, and it's and just charges like, his phone. oh, let me charge my phone. Hands-free charging. Ha, 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 ha,
2: Oh, my God, That's guys. awesome. I would have been like, all right, I'll get the car. Done. That was great. Anyways, so Mike sees Logan get caught up and then sees Briggs drive away. Briggs, what are you doing to us? Are you good or are you bad? You're so good that you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then then we have Briggs. Oh, man. The beginning of the episode starts with Briggs and Toros, where last week we saw him get picked up. And it was exactly what we said. We're like, oh man, it's, it's what Tom Shanley said also. He's like, they had to have been watching him. They had to have watched them come out of the police off, the police station. And I knew, I knew that's what they wanted to pay attention to to see that all of them were, would have gotten released so quickly. So they knew better. They set it up to see what was going on. And of course, what do they see? They see Johnny wipe his tattoo face off. And because of that, we hear that what Briggs did to get out of that situation was let them know that he was a CI, which is an informant, which isn't an agent. But at least he told them, which I'm still surprised that they didn't kill him after that.
1: So what he did was he told them he was a CI, but he's a CI out for himself. Mm -hmm. So, like, CIs are still technically criminals. They're criminal informants. Um, So he said, I could have given you guys up a while ago. Right. And I didn't because I want to work with you guys.
2: All right. Like, it was more of his... So we get this thing.
1: tense moment where Martoon Sarkissian's on the phone and they're finding out whether Martoon wants him to kill Briggs or wants him to keep him alive. Interesting fact, Ari's the one who's on the phone with Martoon and it's not Toros. Mm-hmm. And Ari gets off the phone and is like, he's trying to decide whether or not to kill you. He that has he decided... Doesn't...
2: To keep you alive. Silence, silence,
1: silence, mad. silence. To keep you alive. Toros. Oh. I should have killed you when I had the chance. Yeah, but you didn't.
2: Damn it! You didn't, Tauros. That was me hitting the hitting cage. Hitting the cage. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yep, and Toros gets butthurt again. All right, Tauros, we get it. You want to be in charge. It's little man syndrome. Um, just kidding. I'm sorry for all for all the little ones out there. Interestingly enough,
1: you. this scene, the scene where Riggs talks about the license plate to Mike and the scene at the end where he's driving the car after they t- capture Logan, pretty much the only... Pieces of this storyline in this episode, yeah, it's really quick. I do want to say, and I'm, I got so much heat for it last week when I was talking about how Paige should just sleep with Toros. I never said Paige should just sleep with Toros. Johnny said that this episode, which I thought it was funny because I had mentioned that last episode. People are saying they wanted to punch me and they hated me for saying that Paige should sleep with him. I wasn't saying Paige should sleep with him. I'm saying it's unbelievable to this point. To expect that she can keep her cover mm-hmm.
2: indefinitely nuts, yeah.
1: without sleeping with him. Right. I think at some point she has to sleep with him or her cover will be blown.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not saying that she has to. Right. I'm not saying that she, it's necessarily required that she does it. Yes. I'm just saying that there comes a time when you're a cover for a female teasing a guy. Right. Where if. You turn down the advances so far and especially in the when they're two of them alone in that room and they're beating like that. Like there's only so many times you can get out of the situation without the guy thinking, Okay, something's up or just right. not even calling him again and being like, All right, screw it, this girl's not gonna do anything. Yes. So when Johnny said that episode, I'm like yeah, To like, stay
2: involved and to stay in everything is but yeah. I know you and gotta do what you gotta do. She says,
1: Look look, I'm not gonna do that and mm-hmm. I don't wanna do that. It's fine.
2: Perfect example. Ava Mendez in the Fast and the Furious. She was sleeping with her with that guy and she was just an undercover.
1: Yeah. It's That's it. Triple X, the girl who was undercover agent in Triple X. You find out she's been sleeping with the guy for years because they just stopped contacting her, but she was still deep undercover. What are you gonna do? I just think there comes a point where as an agent, there are things you have to do. Yep. Just like Briggs. I mean, what's honestly though, guys, what's worse? Paige to keep her cover having to sleep with that guy and staying alive? Or Briggs Literally having a guy's kidneys taken out next to him, and then having to burn the body and dispose of evidence.
2: You're right. I'd I mean, have to be sex. perfectly honest,
1: I'm not trying to be a dick here, but I'd like, rather
2: have sex, just use a condom.
1: Briggs straight up had to. Torres is to,
2: not ugly. He's actually
1: really hot. Even, even though, like, Briggs had to be with a guy who straight up harvested organs from somebody, and then had to help clean it up. You know,
2: that was disgusting. I know that was so sad.
1: Yeah. So. No, I feel you on that. Briggs has a harder cover to keep, mm-hmm. so
2: it is what it is. It's it's in in this case, it's the only time where you like it's just part of the job. And We're not talking inappropriately, but just it is what it is. I feel let's, you on that.
1: Let's do some uh, shout-outs to people in the chat. See what they're talking about. So, Stephanie Georgie, awesome sound effects. Oh, talking <laughs> thank about you.
0: the, the car. The-
1: Stephanie <laughs> crazy. Stephanie is crazy, is what Destiny Separate said. Pro Prodigy says finally Mike is back. That's what we were saying. Nicholas Melendez. Um does anybody know the name of the song they played during Mike's comeback montage? I don't know it. I'm sorry. A lot of people are People liked are it. so
2: good when they focus on the music. I'm always like, oh my god, what's happening? Like I just focus on the scene. I didn't I didn't even realize there was music in the background.
1: Uh lovely Miss CK says, I almost turned the channel when Mike was about to shoot up. That's my line exactly. in the <laughs> sand with the whole Mike's <laughs> edition storyline. I wouldn't be able to watch that. And yeah, Me that too. scene, like, you're just, that, it's like, that's
2: the part. We were like, no, don't do it. Like, that's, it's funny for you to be put in the position where you're like, that's just disgusting. I don't even want to see it. <sighs>
1: Um, I will say, guys, never try to break a break a syringe needle like how Mike tried to bend it. They don't bend. They break. And if they break, It'll they just... shatter. And then you'll cut yourself on it.
2: Oh, and then you'll be like, oh, dang it. And if <laughs> they bend,
1: then you're... <laughs> the morphine
2: got to me. I'm kidding.
1: Yeah, you'd have to be a pretty damn thick needle to bend. I don't think they would be doing that. Ugh. But uh, yeah, that was the episode. I mean, it was quick, quick coverage of the episode. There wasn't really...
2: Nothing. Yeah. Paige was hanging out. Johnny's, you know, sleeping around. Jake's is helping everyone out.
1: You go, Johnny. You sow those royal oats until we can get Jamie Gray Hyder back on the series.
2: Oh, Lucia. Lucia. I have a funny video that I'll I'll post up one day for Throwback Thursday. Maybe next summer.
1: Oh, yeah. they they I, We forgot to mention they, they arrested everybody over at the bayou. Oh, yeah. They arrested them all.
2: They arrested them all. Good to go. Sorry, Tom Shanley. Cash Wingate the Cash behind Wind bars. Gat. That's right, sir. Damn, he has a really good Southern accent. How do I sound, y'all? Not uh, that good. I don't really know how to sound, girl, but I I'll just crazy. go with
1: it. I'm gonna go ahead and hit this sound effect right here, which means that it's time to go. You want to do some predictions? Oh, let's do. Oh, some what are pre- you doing? Um, okay, so
2: predictions. I know and I'm. On-
1: You're after. I can't talk TV. over Sir Richard Wentworth.
2: Sir Richard Wentworth think that sorry I was gross but um, I don't know I'm I feel bad that Mike is messing up and everything and then all of a sudden he's like no but Briggs is a bad person it's such a love and ha- it's such a love hate relationship so what this is what I mean by he's so good he's bad that he's bad that he's good and I know I didn't make sense there but it, everyone's so confused with Briggs is Briggs still playing the part here or is he just taking mm-hmm. advantage of torturing Logan just because he was being an, to him.
1: I think Briggs always does him the bare minimum to stay within reason. <laughs>
2: does
1: that make sense?
2: Yeah, but... Because,
1: honestly, there's gonna be a way for him to walk away from this and Logan to walk away from this. And if it requires Logan being picked up and beaten the crap out of, Logan can't break briggs's cover
2: here's my thing with briggs briggs is smart because he thinks look i work with exceptional agents they're not good as me there are certain circumstances where they just f things up for me um a little example page burning the wrong fingers so Total example,
1: Paige setting Mike up and sending Sid to his room.
2: <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Okay. So he thinks so I wanna say I'm hoping that this will be one of the situations where he couldn't tell anyone about it because everything that they've tried to do, they've been caught up already. By the Sarkissians, by Ari, by Toros. It's getting to the point now that he's dug himself a hole where he's a CI now, technically kind of working for the FBI, Sarkissians thinking that they have someone in both sides, that it's it's gotten into this mess and he, he ultimately can't involve anyone else if he wants it to continue.
1: Well here's another option is if he that wants it to be successful. Here's another option is that Briggs is actually trying to find the mole. Because Briggs All is right. saying there's a mole, but we're led to believe and that...
2: He, and it's not him. He's like, there is a mole, but it's not me. We're led
1: to believe that Briggs is the mole.
2: Right, but he's tripping but on the fact that we, it's someone else. There
1: might actually be a mole in the So, Matt Damon, what the departed. So what is possible is Briggs was driving. Briggs didn't actually take Logan... And honestly, to keep his cover, Briggs just has to beat the crap out of Logan. So all he's doing is really keeping his cover. He's not assaulting an FBI agent. He's keeping his cover. He is. He's doing what Logan told him to do.
2: And he low-key prepped Logan on that.
1: Yeah, so he so Logan can't really come after him. When for... he
2: gets when Logan gets his head covered and everything, I bet you he's like, damn it, he was talking about me this morning. Because <laughs> he says what agent I mean, they're very unpleasant guys. And he's like, That sounds very like displeasant. He pretty much told him what they're gonna have to do. Pretty
1: much. So Logan's But he didn't taken. say, and
2: by the way, it's going to be yo ass that we're going to do it to, Logan.
1: So I think what, what Briggs is doing, Briggs is luring out the mole. I think there's actually a mole, and Briggs is luring it out so he can take down the entire Sarkissian family. Because right now, Briggs is the only one.
2: That knows everything all the time.
1: No, Briggs is the only one that is not involved because he's doing something the FBI is unaware of. That He's the only one acting outside of the mole's supervision. If there is a mole who's high up, the mole would know everything that every agent's doing that has to do with the Sarkissians except Briggs because Briggs is going rogue. So nobody can report on Briggs to the Sarkissians because they don't know what the hell he's doing. It is true. So I think Briggs is luring out the mole, and I think we're going to take down somebody big.
2: Graceland. Only on on USA Network. I
1: think on that note we can – roll
2: out all right well that was great don't forget to comment and let us know what you think you can find me on twitter at stephanie georgie and on instagram at the stephanie georgie see uh, where can we find you
1: you guys can find me on twitter at stephanie u s t p h n l e m i e u x you can see it right down there at the bottom of the screen uh it's weird to look at the screen and do that um yeah we'll see you guys Next week for Season 3, Episode 9 of Graceland on USA for the after show at 7, no, at 8 Pacific Standard Time next Thursday. Peace uh, out. Have a good
0: night, guys. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network.